0: good morning let's turn in our bibles to judges chapter six we'll continue our old testament character studies this morning i'm going to be looking at gideon just by word of introduction you know that uh speaking to christians now you know that we're a peculiar people right we are it says that in the bible One of the things that's peculiar about us is that we're constantly having to deal with unseen things. Think about it. Angels, demons, heaven, hell, God himself. In fact, um, the fact that we're saved. Have you seen the cross? Have you seen Jesus? Did you see him die? No. All of those things we know through one place right here i am staking my eternity on this book are you and i'll tell you that's foolishness to the world it's a book but for those that are saved it's not just any book it's the word of god and that's how we see unseen things there's another thing that uh is or at least we think about it as being unseen and it's faith and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. The interesting thing about faith is, <clears throat> you can see it. Did you know that? James tells us that. He said, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I will. Sh-. That means you can see it, right? By the way, he wasn't saying that by not having any works you're showing faith he was god is being a little satirical there if you don't have any works there's no faith that's what he's saying so you can see faith and in fact it's kind of interesting it's like the middle man to those unseen things i mentioned earlier as people see our faith they can see those unseen things in our faith and in our lives and we're going to see that in the life of gideon The interesting thing about Gideon, like so many of the other Old Testament saints, he doesn't have faith right away. You remember Abraham. And how he started out with all the crutches he could find from taking lots of relatives with him to stopping halfway. And then uh, skedaddling out of there as soon as a famine hit. Remember all that? But God patiently brought him along and his faith grew. And you could really see it the ultimate of course was when he was willing to offer up his own son and that was strictly by faith because he knew the promises god had given him and so we're going to see that with Gideon as well that once again god is so patient and so gracious with him and with us because we we tend to be like we were before we were saved and like everybody around us and that is to walk by sight it's so much easier isn't it you know the things we see and uh, the values and the priorities that the world around us has and, and imposes. on It's much easier just to give up and live like everybody else lives, walk by sight. But it says plenty we're to walk by faith, not by sight, as seeing those unseen things. And uh, Lord willing, we'll learn a lesson from Gideon this morning about that whole area the bottom line is um, it's really simple you want to summarize life in one sentence you know what life is all about it's God trying to get people to believe what he says think about it that's really what it is whether you're saved or unsaved it's him trying to get us to believe what he says (laughs) and it's a battle okay chapter six Uh, we got a lot of scripture to read tonight so we'll move along quickly here verse one you know the cycle of judges right you know they go far from god they worship idols god judges them with the foreign people coming in and they chafe under the yoke of these foreigners for years in this case it's going to be seven they repent they cry out to god god raises up a deliverer or a judge and then we're going to see it again here then the children of israel did evil in the sight of the lord so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which were in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. You've seen the news lately, most of you know now where Gaza is, right? That's all the way down in the left-hand corner of Israel. They blighted the whole land. Wouldn't that be frustrating? Put all that work into your crops, ready to harvest it, and here all these, come all these foreigners from the east like locusts, and you look, and they've got nothing but bare fields. That's the, that's the picture. Uh, and they would leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. We don't know who this guy is. We don't know his name. This is all we know about him. Bless his heart. He, he spoke out for God at a time was it, when it wasn't a popular thing. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But... You have not obeyed my voice. Okay. Lots of enemies here. Like locusts, it says. Can you imagine? One little interesting note before we go on here. Um, note verse 8. When the God, through the prophet, reminds the people of their past, he goes back to Egypt to tell them about the miracles. Now He talks about the deliverance, but the miracles were back in Egypt. We're going to see that again with Gideon uh what that tells us is the israelites didn't live on a steady diet of miracles we'd like that wouldn't we wouldn't that be great you know a miracle a day huh you know get up in the morning and bing there's your breakfast on the table you know or ladies or or guys whoever does the dishes you know in the evening bing they're all washed and put away wouldn't that be nice we'd love that but then God would be our busboy, and He's God, and we're not, you know. And the interesting thing about it is, rather than having to prove things to us and to show Himself constantly, He would rather we just take His word for things. Does that surprise you? He would rather we just He He says it, and then we just believe Him, instead of having to have miracles all the time. Okay, well they cried out to the Lord, and so. In his grace, once again, as he does every time in the book of Judges, he responds. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, "O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Rites. Okay. Uh, I love uh, the way the Lord handles Gideon here. Notice, first of all, what he called him. Mighty man of valor. that's interesting because the guy's probably never held a sword in his life and as you can tell from the passage and as you're going to tell as we go through the story here he has a little problem with fear understandably uh humanly speaking because of what he's told to do but um it's interesting the lord doesn't lie so How can the Lord call him a mighty man of valor? It's a very important point. It's because the Lord sees Gideon when he will be a mighty man of valor. And he will, by the way. It is so certain that it might as well have already happened. That's that's the way it is with God. You see, he he knows the future. We don't. And, And so since it's so clear to him in fact he's in the future put that one in your pipe that's a pretty good one he he knows exactly what's going to happen and so he sees right now gideon uh valorous in battle against the midianites and so he says you mighty man of valor he does that with us doesn't he what does he say in ephesians he said we're seated in the heavenlies in christ am i in heaven are you in heaven brother or sister no not yet. But that is so neat because he because he says that that means that we're as good as there. Okay? You know, the world's not used to this talking about a guaranteed certain future. Talk to the guy that bought uh ten thousand shares of Citibank a year ago. You know? And he thought to himself, man, I ought to make a cool ten percent off of this over the next three hundred and sixty five days. Praise God. God's not like that. He knows the end from the beginning. There's nobody else like that. And he lets us in on the secrets, by the way, because he tells us, you know, Jesus is going to come again. Let me say that again. Jesus is coming again. Yeah. (laughs) Do you really believe that? Really? Think about it. Right now, Gideon doesn't believe God. That's the point. And I'm not faulting him, okay? Please understand. This, this is me. This is you. He's having a little trouble with this. He's going to have more trouble as, as the thing goes on. But God is so patient. And he'll, he'll wait as long as it takes with a little bit of encouragement and help uh, here and there. But l- let's talk about this idea of faith for a minute. Gideon uh, is told twice, by the way, did you notice? two times verse 14 you shall save israel from the hand of the midianites i think we can understand that i think gideon understand that concept pretty clear right verse 16 you shall defeat the midianites as one man now there is the statement of god that gideon needs to believe And when he believes it, he's exercising faith. Faith is believing God at his word. Right now, he's having a little trouble with that. But that's going to be the the core of Gideon's struggle over the next several days and maybe even weeks. Really believing that he, little old, least in the family, Gideon, is going to defeat this 135,000-man army that's about to camp a little bit north of his house. Okay? He's going to learn a lesson that we have to learn. I'm, I'll speak for myself. Maybe you don't have to. But I have to learn over and over again. And it's the very essence of faith. I, I love God's word in, in Hebrews 11 when it says this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. That is so cool. What he's saying there is, for believers, when we reach out and grab hold of the word of God and say, look, he just says it. I believe it. And we act that way. I don't mean just up here, you know, doctrinal ascent. I mean, we really believe it to where you see it in my life because of the way I live. What he says is, it's the substance of hope, things hoped for. Suddenly, there are things that are still future, but I'm acting as if they're true right now. and uh the unseen things suddenly they become real they're not just kind of you know this vaporous stuff out there it's real it's the evidence the things that are not seen i see these things what does it say about moses i love it it says he endured as one who saw him who is unseen isn't that good Moses, of course he'd seen the lord face to face and uh it just became his way of life. He lived like that day to day as if seeing God. It was real to him. And because of that, people saw uh, God through him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And what Gideon is going to have to do, he's going to have to come to the point to where when he hears God say, uh, I'm going to give the Medianites into your hand, he's going to finally agree and say, that's right god said it it's going to happen and step out as if it had already happened because god said it and there's nothing that can undo it let me give an example suppose some city official from fremont walked in the door there and said "Uh, we just got a billion dollars from the federal government of that big package they just passed and we can't find anybody that wants it So the first 10 people down to City Hall can divide it 10 ways. Now, do you know how you can tell who would really believe that guy? (laughs) Do you think there'd be a difference between those who believe him and those who do not believe him? Could you see it? (laughs) Yeah. The ones who didn't get trampled, you know. And the ones that made it to City Hall. Now there is an exception on that. I hate to say it, you know. There may be some who stay behind, not because they don't believe the guy, but they really don't need a hundred million dollars, you know, as believers, right? So let me give another example. Maybe uh, some highfalutin ge- geologist walks in, and of course he's a scientist, you know. The high priest of today has on his white lab coat with his pocket protector, you know, and his uh, not his slide rule, his uh, ipod and um he says okay uh, we've just done some calculations and a major earthquake is going to hit here in less than a minute you better get out of here could you tell the difference between the people who believed him and those who did not yeah you could see it couldn't you you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to go around and do an interview do you believe that guy you know they'd be too busy leaving a good distance between you and themselves well, that's the way it is with God, you see. God God says so much in here that we could just say, that's right, God says it, I'm going to live that way. So much. And if you're like me, I just say it, you, we struggle, you know. I know he says it, but, you know, it's tough to stick your neck out as, as if it's a risk, you know. <laughs> I'm not criticizing Gideon, I'll tell you. 135,000 guys that have so far for seven years been just cleaning the land out. Okay? But let me let me just apply. So that so Gideon's statement of God, remember faith is believing something God says, right? And acting on it. It's real simple. The statement of God that he's going to have to believe and step out and show that he believes it is I'm going to deliver the Midianites into your hand. Now, we're in the same boat. We we just mentioned one of them. God speaks to us. There are things that God has said to you, believer, and to me. For example, Jesus is coming again, and we will give an account to him personally. Think about that. God, he said that same God, right here. Let me just maybe you're thinking, wait, you made that up, Rick? Okay, well let's let's find it. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Romans fourteen ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians five ten. So not just one place. So you can't, well, maybe it was a misprint. And it's more than that. There's just two of them. That's pretty clear, right? This Jesus that we worship and love so much and talk about, he is going to come back. But more than that, you and you, believer, and I are going to have a personal interview with him. That's what it says, and give an account. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? All you have is God's word for it. He says also in his word, every person is headed for eternal hell without the Lord Jesus Christ only those who trust in him will escape do you believe that you really believe that let me tell you jesus believed it you know he was the ultimate man of faith did you know that it always bothers a lot of people when you say jesus had faith you know yeah (laughs) you talk about this quality of seeing the unseen and living on the basis of that and seeing the future and what's really going to happen and living his life on the basis of that you're talking about jesus okay man i mean he he not only believed people around him were headed for hell he knew it he saw it and he lived every moment on the basis of that we'll talk about that more later but let me just uh finish up here in this whole area of faith and and what it is if you don't know the lord jesus christ God wants you to believe him right now on one point. We're not going to go through the Bible now, but let me just tell you, in his word, God says this. This is something he wants you to believe. That you're a sinner, that you cannot help yourself in being saved from your sins, and that you're headed for certain judgment. It's called hell in the Bible forever. That's it. But there's good news. And that is, the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. He says that here too. And he also says that if you trust in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, if you believe that I mean really believe it, you'll be saved. That's all right here. That's the first act of faith anybody ever does with God. He's not interested in you trusting him for your job or your health or finding a wife or finding a husband. If you're headed for hell, you've got a bigger problem than all that stuff so i want you to start there have you done it okay let's get back to gideon here um verse 25 now it came to pass the same night that the lord said to him take your father's young bull the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of baal that your father has woe "...and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So good, Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning... There was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son, and he may die Because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore on that day he called him Jeroboam, saying, Let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar okay uh god often does this if there's some house cleaning to do before using a man that has to be addressed first and uh frankly we're kind of shocked here we are (laughs) riding gideon's own household his father has like the local city idol erected outside the house there with an altar and everything and so before we go a step further the first thing to do is get rid of that thing but um and gideon obeys but as god comments here he did it at night because he was afraid the local guys would uh do something to him which is interesting that that means he still really isn't convinced he's going to uh, beat the midianites because if he did he knew he wouldn't die at the hands of the locals to do it you understand so he's still not there on god's uh, promise about the midianites Uh, There's an interesting thing, by the way, about this uh, this name of his, Jerubbaal. It's a second name. God didn't give it to him. Uh, It looks like maybe his father did. But whoever gave it to him, it's not exactly the kind of name you want. You know, let Baal plead. That's literally what it means. What I like about it is, uh, throughout the, the rest of the life of Gideon, God will alternate between the two names. Now, why does he do that? Every once in a while, he'll call him Jerubbaal. Sometimes they'll call him Gideon, and sometimes they'll call him Jerubbaal. You know why? It's a reminder to us of why he was called that. He was called that uh, so that Baal could plead for himself. And God is saying, every time he calls him Jerubbaal, five, ten, forty years later, he's saying, well, Baal still hasn't pleaded. Still waiting on a word from Baal i love it. it it's there's great uh humor and satire when it comes to idols in the word of god and this is one of them okay we're getting closer now it's a good thing god started early with gideon by the way because the midianites are not here yet so he's had a lot of time to get prepared and think about things and, and wrestle with it because here they come uh verse uh 33 then All the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together. And they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Okay, we're getting closer now. The locusts are here. And as I said, there's 135,000 of these guys. That's a big army. It's interesting, if you noticed, it's time to get the ball rolling now. And so it, the spirit of the Lord basically drew the blew the trumpet. The spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew the trumpet. Now, uh his fate is sealed if i can put it that way because when something like this happens the foreigners come in and somebody blows the trumpet you know who gets to lead the troops yeah the trumpet blower (laughs) that's right so gideon is now uh commander-in-chief let's see how he's doing on his faith here verse 36 so gideon said to god if you will save israel by my hand as you have said look i shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor if there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry in all the ground then i shall know that you will save israel by my hand as you have said and it was so when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together he wrung the dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water sounds good huh read on then gideon said to god do not be angry with me but let me speak just once more let me test i pray just once more with the fleece let it now be dry only on the fleece but on all the ground let there be dew and god did so that night it was dry on the fleece only but there was dew on all the ground he's feeling his way along here he still doesn't believe god by the way you're going to see that all right and and again we're not criticizing him this is you and me wrestling with God. Uh, what's, what's interesting, I, if you count them, by the way, uh, this would be the fourth and uh, pardon me, third and fourth statements of God that He's going to do what He said. He said it verbally twice. Remember I pointed out verses 14 and 16? Right? God said it again when the fleece was wet. right he basically said yes he said it again when the fleece was dry he said it four times now okay what's interesting is the patience of god you know gideon knew he was pressing his luck You, you saw what he saw don't be angry with me you know and you may sit there and wonder well why did he get angry with moses and not with gideon well there's a big difference if you remember in the case of Moses, after similar wranglings with God, in the end, you remember what Moses said? When it was all said and done and God proved over and over again, yes, I'll be with you, Moses said, forget it, get somebody else. Remember that? That's, that's crossing the line. That's, no, forget it, Lord. I'm just not going to believe you. You get somebody else. Gideon's not doing that. You can see he wants to believe. He's trying. And so God is, is patient with him you know, shows you the patience of God and the grace of God. If you will save them by my hand. Okay, he's already said it four times. Okay, well, humanly speaking, things are going to get worse for Gideon now. Chapter 7. Then Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, Baal hasn't said anything yet, And all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. How do you think Gideon's feeling? And just as a reminder, he already started out, he was outnumbered more than four to one. Okay, 135,000 to 32,000. You don't attack with that kind of a force. That's military suicide well now he's down to ten thousand that's thirteen and a half to one okay that's not a problem with god but uh, it's not going to help gideon along very much at this point but the lord said to gideon okay now now that we're down to ten uh, thousand the people are still too many bring them down to the water and i will test them for you there Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent and retained those three hundred men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley oh boy okay Uh, by the way you know there's a lot of commentary and uh um arguing about why did god choose the guys who okay here's the two styles of drinking i'll i'll attempt to do the one you know the guy the one guys went down like this and they kind of went like that and brought it up to their mouth okay and the commentators some of them will say well hey these guys are good soldiers because they're on the alert and that's why god chose them you got that whereas the other guys went down on fours like this you know bonk you can just see the guy coming up behind him right so god god's a good strategist he knew that uh he needed those 300 guys because they're so good do you understand the problem with that it flies in the very face of what god said at the outset okay i don't want you guys saying look it was because of us we we won this battle so think about it gideon didn't know who god was going to choose yet so you can just see it he's got these two groups of people god said divide them up you got nine thousand seven hundred guys over here and you got three hundred over here <laughs> little tiny group and gideon's going boy oh boy i sure hope he chooses this one Did God need the 9,700? Did he need the 300? Did he need anybody? That's exactly right. And so he deliberately chose a little group to show how great he is. Okay? It wasn't because they knew how to drink right. (laughs) Poor Gideon. He's going through the ringer. But look, it's great. God is is teaching him he's learning he's learning about god so here we are Uh, we're right up next to the to the camp of the bad guys now okay we're up on the hills above this camp and and can you imagine listen god will describe it for us here Uh, verse nine it happened on the same night that the lord said to him arise go down against the camp for i have delivered it into your hand now i want you to what did god say it's time to attack Do you understand that it's not ambiguous and by the way this is the uh, i counted this is the sixth time god has said i have delivered them into your hand or something words to that effect sixth time okay pretty clear past tense by the way notice not i will deliver them in hand. it's a done deal just go but big word But God knows his heart. If you are afraid to go down, that is go down and attack. Go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. In other words, on a spy mission. Okay? So not only can you go down just to check them out in a spy mission, but you can even take somebody with you, you know? (laughs) kind of keep you company. And you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down. That is, attack it against the camp. Wonderful promise. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Here's the description of what it looked like. Now the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Wow. This has got to be impressive. 300 guys get lost in there. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck, struck it so that it fell and overturned. And the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Whoa! Isn't that great? He says exactly what God has been saying. God put his own words in the mouth of an enemy. And I love it. Just in case Gideon, you know, if he just says, Well, this is just the hand of Gideon. Gideon goes, well, you know, there's a lot of Gideons around here. May not be me. So he narrows it down. Gideon, the son of Joash. Well, maybe there's a Gideon, son of Joash, among the Midianites. So he makes it plain. A man of Israel. Isn't that good? You know? It's like, Gideon, which hand has the marble in it? You know? It's you. And then those wonderful words. God has delivered midian and the whole camp into his hand okay that's what does the trick for gideon okay he's been struggling he's been wrestling with god and now he gives in and i wish we could be there to hear gideon talk now you ever been around somebody who's just saved all they can talk about is jesus you know before jesus was just anybody all of a sudden that's all they can talk about they just love him so much jesus 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 this and jesus that well that's gideon now okay he really believes god and he and he shows it by uh how he talks and what he does we'll start with verse 15 and so it was when gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped he returned to the camp of israel and said arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. I don't think he's ever spoken like that to them before. You know, he blew the trumpet. Here, here's these 32,000 guys. I don't know what he said to them. And if he even said the words, you know, God has already given them to us. I don't think there would have been a lot of confidence in his voice. But now I'll tell you, he's, he's chomping at the bit. He's ready to go. He, he knows that the Midianites are defeated because god said so okay that's what gives faith its strength by the way it's god himself not me it's god's word then he divided the three hundred men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers and he said to them look at me and do likewise watch and when i come to the edge of the camp you shall do as i do When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Bethacacia toward zerera as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabath. Okay, praise the Lord. Um, First of all, you can see Gideon is really believing God. You can see his faith, right? Can you see the difference in the man? It's like night and day. Uh, Suddenly, the future has become the present. Remember that definition of faith or the description of faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. God said he's going to deliver the Midianites into his hand. It hasn't happened yet, but he's acting as if it had. You can see it. Uh, at last, he's quoting God's own words, and he means it. By the way, I don't know if you noticed, uh, this method of uh, doing the battle, I don't know how else to describe it, with the pitchers and the trumpets and the torches, whose idea was that that's right it appears to be gideon's idea yeah i think we read this and we assume you know like uh jericho then the lord told gideon do it this way no he doesn't say that and it really looks like this is gideon's idea which if true that's wonderful because it's the most helpless attack you're ever going to see okay it's all of the lord by the way, you notice, in one hand, they've got the torch. In the other hand, they've got the trumpet. How are you going to hold a sword? You can't, okay? The battle is the Lord's. It's like Gideon is now so confident in the Lord that he's doing what Moses told the children of Israel to do uh, on the border of the Red Sea. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Notice that's what it says. Um And every man stood in his place all around the camp. They didn't stand up there, you know, blast the trumpet, show the torch, and then hightail it out of there. They stood there with the torches and the trumpets in their hands and watched God, as Moses said uh, years earlier, watch God fight for them. And what a thing to see, huh? Okay. Okay. this is wonderful here's a real guy and he reminds me of me i don't know about you you know but he struggled and god was patient and kept working with him and he brought him to the point where he needed to be where he finally believed god okay well there's one more quick lesson before we summarize here from the life of gideon even the best men of faith stumble look at chapter 8 Verse 22, after they chased down all the fleeing Midianites and Amalekites and the guys from the east, something happened. Verse 22, then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall rule over you isn't that good Too bad Saul didn't say that huh? then Gideon said to them and this is this is the little slip up here I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. so they answered we will gladly give them and they spread out a garment and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder Now, the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. That's about a ton. How much is gold per ounce? 600, I don't know, 1,000, something like that. Um, And besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes, which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were around their camels' necks. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in a city, Ophrah and all Israel played the harlot with it there, it became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more, and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Then Jerubbaal, Baal still hasn't said a word. Forty years later, the son of Joash went and dwelt in his own house. Okay, Uh, we'll, we'll stop right there. But it's interesting. The ephod, by the way, as you know, was part of the high priest's garment, right? You know, like basically the, the, the tunic, the top part to which was attached the breastplate and uh, all the stones were, were on the breastplate and the shoulder pads and so on. And the only thing we can uh, figure is that the, the ephod is used, by the way, by David twice to determine the will of God. And apparently that was the way it was often used. And so it looks like Gideon after all of this still wanted some means of what he thought would be communication with god okay that's why an ephod and of course gold you know to honor god and so on well the problem with that is god didn't use a golden ephod before to talk to him he just gave him his word and it was up to gideon to believe it and there seems to be a lapse on gideon's part to want to have something he could touch you see something he could see You know, an ephod that he could use. That tendency to want to have to have something that you see. But nevertheless, after all is said and done, God has Gideon listed in Hebrews chapter 11 because of his great faith in overcoming the Midianites. Okay, the application. We've already kind of introduced it, but we're to walk by faith, not by sight, right? Based on... True statements in the word of God of what really is. And I talked about the Lord Jesus. He lived the only real life, if you think about it. Because in his dealings with people and in in the serving of his father, he didn't base it on what we see, but what on his father said and what he knew to be real. And we're living in a world right now that actually, by the way, has faith too. Did you know that? Remember what uh, God said about faith in Hebrews 12. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. People in the world live their lives based on things hoped for. Don't they? But their vision of the future is not the same as God's. Okay? It's all a lie. It's a life based on Number one, either there is no God, or if there is, there certainly isn't a hell. And I'm not going to pay for my sins. That's a lie. And so it's a faith based on something that's hoped for that's not going to ever happen. And things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Yeah. I mean, before I was saved, I li- I based my life on values and priorities that, i couldn't prove were right or wrong but they were unseen and they were lies they were false so we're living in the midst of a world that has another kind of faith and it's based on nothing has a foundation of sand so we we need to gird up our loins as believers brothers and sisters and live based on this this is the truth this is what god says by faith we have to bring into the present things that haven't happened yet the lord jesus returning and uh we could talk about a lot of other things but that's the one thing i want to think about as we close here i asked earlier do you believe jesus is coming back do you really believe that think about it if you do can others see that you do And I'm asking that of myself, too. Because like Gideon, he might have said he believed that the Midianites were in his hand, but you couldn't see it in his life until it was really there. And then you could see it in his life. Now, I can say I believe Jesus is coming back and that I'm going to see him and I'm going to have a personal interview. That's doctrinally right. But do I really believe that? Can you see it in my life? let's pray lord jesus we thank you so much for the assurances the promises the certainties in your word of what's going to happen and out of all of them the one that thrills our hearts most is that you are going to come back and that we will see you and be with you forever lord jesus may it uh, make its way past just being a doctrine in our heads but may we truly believe it in the sense that Gideon believed the Midianites were given into his hand. May it be real to us as if it had already happened and be living for you day by day until you come. For we ask it in your precious name. Amen.